Hello and welcome to the Art of Adoption podcast, a place to share and listen to stories about adoption and to raise awareness and remove any stigma surrounding adoption. On this podcast, you will hear real stories from real people about how foster care and or adoption has uniquely shaped each of them as they share the good, the not so good, and the art of it all. I am your host, Amber White. Happy Monday. Hope you guys had a great week. Yesterday was my big little's adoption day. We celebrate by letting him decide what we do and what we eat all day. So we had Starbucks for breakfast and we went to Chuck E. Cheese for lunch and he played his favorite game all day. He had a great day and we loved celebrating with him. A while ago, I took to my Facebook and I asked people to call in and leave me a message about what adoption is to them. Here's what some had to say. Adoption is full of bureaucracy. Adoption is a huge part of my life. Love, pain. There were no unwanted pregnancies in adoption. Heartache, joy. Adoption is a multitude of blessings beyond what anyone can imagine, whether you adopt one or you adopt many. I want to say that adoption is a beautiful way to build a family and it's almost always going to be a win-win situation because of the intention involved. Adoption is a thing where we get to keep forever and someone and the person we get to keep forever has an adoption day. It's so cool. People get parties all the time. (laughs) Thank you so much for calling in and leaving those messages for me. I really appreciate it. And you can also call in and ask a question or leave a message about anything by calling 720-722-2839. You can also reach me 24-7 at theartofadoptionpod at gmail.com or on Facebook at The Art of Adoption Podcast and Instagram at Art of Adoption Pod. Also tell your friends and family about the podcast and they can listen to it anywhere they listen to podcasts or at www.artofadoptionpod.com. Today's show is unlike any of the others I have done before. I had been talking via messenger to a friend about sharing his adoption story on this podcast. He had sent me links to his blog that he wrote about the stories and information he wanted to share with me, with you. Unfortunately, I never got to record his story, his narration of his story, because months after we begun our correspondence, my friend, Troy, had unexpectedly passed away. Troy was born 37 years ago today, January 14th, in Seoul, South Korea, and adopted by his American parents a little over four months later. He grew up in Denver, Colorado, and he loved everything about Colorado. I met Troy at youth group. 
At the time, he was in a local band called Blue Plate Special. I immediately was drawn to Troy because of his artistic ability. He was an amazing artist and his sense of humor. If I needed a good laugh, I knew I could count on him. Not only did we get to know each other through youth group, we hung out often outside of that. We even worked together for a while at a local movie theater. He moved away for a bit, but after graduating high school, we both ended up buying houses just down the street from each other. We had a blast hanging out at his house or he at our house during that time. I actually even started pursuing Johnny, my husband, at one of Troy's house parties. There are so many fun and good memories I could share about him, but that would take up all of the time here, and that's not why we're here today. Today, I'm here to honor him, and with his family's permission, I am going to share his adoption story straight from his blog, his own words, in memory of him. His obituary reads, Troy was an ambitious soul who lived life to the fullest, and he was loved by many. He was an avid athlete, passionate Denver Broncos fan, hard worker, fun-loving, and humorous. Troy's interests varied from editing and producing videos to being the co-founder of the legendary Boozers softball team in Denver. With an infectious laugh and the ability to make friends with nearly everyone he met, Troy may be best remembered for his adventurous spirit. He loved to experience different cultures, languages, and people, and always hoped to inspire others to venture out of the comforts of their everyday life. He traveled the world continuously for nearly six years, beginning with a one-way ticket to Belize on March 5, 2012. Of course, that's not quite where it all began. Here is Troy's story, my voice but his words, straight from his blog, rtwexperiences.com. Tuesday, October 29th, 2013, day 603. Today I have chosen not to include a general topic related to travel information or budget backpacking, but today I have chosen to share an intimate part of my life. This is the story of my adoption and being reunited with my birth mother, where it has been close to 31 years, 9 months, and roughly 8 days since the last time my birth mother has seen me. And for as much of my life through my backpacking and travel experiences has become public on the internet, for those that know me best, I still tend to remain a relatively private person. While I have not shared this story with many, it has been a long time coming, so please enjoy my adoption story. It all began around the summer of 2011 when I started the process and search for my birth parents with Jan Dunn from Dillon International. Prior to doing this, I spoke extensively with both my adoptive parents and both of my sisters, whom are also Korean adoptees. However, none of us are blood-related, and as I had hoped, everyone was very supportive in my desire to locate and hopefully be reunited with my birth parents. Like most adoptees, I have two birthdays and two names. I was born at home in the southern city of Yosu, South Korea, and later given the name Sung Chuli. 
I was born around 7.30 a.m. on what I can only expect was a cold morning in January. My mother was only 19 years old at the time, while my birth father was 27 years old. However, at the time of my birth, my father had already been absent from my life because while my mother was six months pregnant with me, he abandoned her, us. I lived at home for about five days as my mother contemplated painfully what would be the best future for me since I was her firstborn child. She finally made the decision to place me for adoption with Eastern Social Welfare Society, ESWS. With a set of specific instructions, she wanted me to be adopted by an American family. The celebration of my second birthday occurred four months later, on May 21, 1982, at Stapleton International Airport in Denver, Colorado, as I was born to Karen and Dale Hendershot and given the name Troy. I had your typical childhood growing up in the Colorado suburbs, riding bikes with neighborhood friends, participating in all of the various peewee sports programs, arguing and teasing my sisters, and of course being taught that there is no other team than the Denver Broncos. I did, unfortunately, experience many negative situations that I often kept hidden from my parents because I felt as though they could not possibly relate. It was everything that you could imagine, being made fun of as people brought their fingers to their eyes, sloping them at you, the verbal racial slurs, bowing or making stereotypical gestures or comments as a form of mocking you, plus a variety of other things just because of how I looked physically. That's why I continue to say that it's very difficult, if not nearly impossible, to explain to others how it feels to be a Korean adoptee specifically. However, today I have awoken in a place unlike any I have experienced in all of my travels, a house filled with other Korean adoptees where we share more similar than different stories. Even though I have arrived here the day before and many are arriving late in the evening, we did have brief chances to get introduced and share a little about where each of us are from. California, Pennsylvania, New York, and a lone Australian. We all agreed that it was such an interesting and surreal environment to be in, knowing that we are all connected through such a significant part of our past and sharing much of the same identity. Finding it difficult to sleep, as most of us did, I climb out of bed around 7.40 a.m. and after a hot shower, I begin to organize my things together for a day that I already know I will never forget. Checking to make sure my camera and iPhone are fully charged, I head downstairs and find Mikey from California, but originally from Fort Collins, Colorado, as well as the twins from New York, Danielle and Caitlin, all sitting around the kitchen table. Yawns abound as feelings of mixed emotions and excitement are coupled with strong cups of coffee. Just before 9 a.m., the four of us are led out by Crystal and we take the 15-minute walk to the ESWS headquarters. Since there is an organized itinerary for all of us that are participating in the home-to-home -home program, we are sectioned into four groups. I believe that this is due to the limited number of volunteers that are acting as translators. Fortunately, I suppose for the sake of nerves, I am in group number one, along with my brekkie mates. As we walk along the bustling city street, Caitlin says that this part of the city reminds her of Queens in New York. I tell her that I agree, as I spent time a few weeks staying in Rego Park back in 2010, when my friend Kevin's brother and his wife lived there, and we went to visit over the summer. 
We begin discussing who we are expecting to meet, and I am surprised when the twins from New York are meeting both their mom and their sister, which is their triplet. Mike has an older brother that has been to Korea before and has already met their biological family. So he has taken around the city last night with one of his brothers and today was meeting both his mother and father, plus a few other family members. I tell everyone that I am unsure if my half-brother and sister will be joining my mother today or not. Before we know it, we are standing outside of Eastern, and for the rest of the group, this is their first time seeing the large banner that hangs on the outside of the building. We are greeted by a few volunteers before being led to one of the counseling or post-adoption family meeting rooms. Upon entering, you notice that there are two couches facing one another with plenty of tissue boxes on the table. There is also a small table with four chairs against the open window along the wall. Sitting nervously, Miss Kane comes in and we are told that in a few short minutes, a volunteer that is designated for each of us will be showing us to separate rooms and that they are briefing the family members now and then she leaves. This only makes us more anxious thinking the minutes may tick away like passing hours. Suddenly, Miss King bursts through the door with the volunteers and begins directing us with whom to follow. With little time to think, I am walking down the hallway as Miss King tells me that she will be my translator for today. Thinking we are walking through a door to a small room like the one we were just in, it is actually the room where they are briefing the parents. Almost unable to breathe, Four faces turn and stare in our direction as we come through the door, and I know my mother is one of these faces looking back at me. As the group of parents gets up and begins walking back, I notice one woman looking directly at me, smiling, and I can already sense that this is my mother. Miss King introduces us right there, not waiting to get us to the more intimate counseling room. We share in a long hug that is followed by some tears. As we walk through a set of doors and pass some other desks to the corner of the building, my mother cannot let go of my hand. I keep smiling as we enter the small room that has two chairs set up on each side of the white table. I let my mom take her seat and I sit next to her as Miss King sits across from us. The entire time, my mother cannot let go of me and tells us that she feels as though she is dreaming. The conversation moves slowly as expected with all of the translating. Unsure of what to expect from our first meeting, my mother asks if I would like to come down to stay with her for a night in Ixin, a city in the southwest part of the country that is situated on the Oku and Ku'uman Plains and leads to the West Sea, Yellow Sea. Excited by this unexpected invitation, I tell her that I would love to visit. Discussing this with Miss King, we've decided that the weekend would be the best time since it's three hours by bus or 90 minutes by the Korean Train Express. KTX from Seoul. The plan that is formulated and agreed upon is that on Friday, my mother will return to the capital and stay overnight, and on Saturday morning, we will return to where she lives and I will return to Seoul on Sunday. 
Ms. King informs us that Eastern will be able to provide us a volunteer translator for most of the day on Saturday, but not Saturday night or Sunday. She also tells me that I should probably book my return ticket for Sunday in advance, since that will most likely be a busy commuting day for others that are returning to Seoul. After this is finalized, a series of back and forth questions are exchanged, and before we all realize it, a person is knocking on the door to let us know that the van downstairs is waiting to take us to the restaurant for lunch. Sharing the van with the girls from New York, there are two conversations going on as we begin the short drive through the narrow neighborhood streets, one in Korean and one in English. I tell the twins that their sister does look like them, and when they are all together, it's obvious they are triplets. As we arrived at the traditional Korean restaurant, I wish I could tell you the name, but I had little much going through my head at the time. My mother still is clasping my hands, and I cannot help but feel like a proud son to her. The restaurant is similar to others I have already visited in Seoul, since I have been in the city for almost two weeks, but this time we are led into a private room where we are required to take off our shoes, and it has the low sitting tables with cushions on the floor. Our meal is balgugi, which is thinly sliced or shredded beef marinated in soy sauce, sesame oil, garlic, sugar, green onions, and black pepper, cooked on a grill at our table. Balgugi literally means fire meat. Variations may include pork, chicken, or squid. I believe we have the entire mixture. As we sit down to eat, I have failed to mention that we also have a new translator volunteer, Hannah, who had previously worked for ESWS for the past 15 years before moving to New York with her husband for a year and has recently returned to Seoul, but is not returning to work with ESWS full-time as she is a full-time mommy of two. The meal was tasty, but we are more concerned with the conversation that we have been waiting years for. We talk about how and where I grew up. I asked about her children. We discussed my travels, and I learned that my mother is quite the cook and would one day like to open her own restaurant. At one point, my mother asks if we can order a beer because she's still a bit nervous. Laughing, I say that has to be my mom. As the dishes begin to be cleared from the table, and since we have our volunteer translator until 3 p.m., almost another few hours, we decide to find a nearby coffee shop and continue the conversation. During our conversation at the coffee bean, my mother told me that for several years she tried to search for me. This was also when I learned that my Korean name, Son Chu Lee, was not given to me by her, but by Eastern Social Welfare Services, and that this was the primary reason she was unsuccessful in locating and contacting me. Over the years of attempting to search for which family and where I had been adopted to in the States, she eventually had given up hope. I asked her how she felt when ESWS contacted her to let her know that I was searching for her. She said that she was overcome with joy and thanked God that I was alive and healthy and wanted to meet her. When it was time to depart, we slowly strolled to the subway station. Once again, her hands clasped around mine and there was a long embrace. Not wanting to let one another go, I told her that I am excited for Friday and the weekend. And as I had to be the first to walk away, once I reached about the middle of that block, I turned back, and she was still standing there watching me, as if I were a child walking off to school. She waved at me, and I couldn't help but be overcome with emotion.
Wow. Thank you for writing your experience out so that I can share it, Troy. Happy birthday. We sure miss you. And I also wanted to say thank you to his sisters, Tracy and Tiffany, and to his cousin, David, for allowing me to share his story with you today. Thousands of adult adoptees have returned to Korea in search of their identities and birth families, but they often discover that the circumstances surrounding their adoption were suspect. In the past, babies were often taken to adoption agencies without registrations that contained basic information about them and their birth parents. That made it easier for adoption agencies to send children overseas for many years, but it made it nearly impossible for adoptees to find their birth families in Korea. The success rate of Korean adoptees finding their mothers in Korea is only 2.7%. This makes Troy's story that much more amazing. I wish he was here so I could ask him what happened that weekend he spent with his birth mother. I wonder if he got to meet his half-siblings and how he managed once the translator left. All I know is that Troy had spent a lot of time in Korea working with and advocating for CADs, Korean adoptees, and their rights. He wrote hundreds of blogs regarding these things and his travel in general. I encourage anyone to go check it out. Again, that blog is rtwexperiences.com. There is no shortage of information on that website, not only about CADS and his experience there in Korea, but also his extensive miles of traveling all over the globe. So much so that it equals circling the earth eight plus times. There is a lot of information there for anyone thinking about any sort of travel. He has all sorts of lists and pictures and statistics and reviews. And if you want to listen to a story that he shared on another podcast just a few months before he passed away, go to the Go Hunt Life podcast and listen to episode 67. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for a story about a woman who grew up in a home where her parents fostered a lot of children and who ended up adopting her kids from foster care as well. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at the Art of Adoption Podcast or email me at artofadoptionpod at gmail.com. Tell your friends and family about us. They can listen anywhere they listen to podcasts or at www.artofadoptionpod.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail about anything on your mind or heart at 720-722-2839. Production artwork and editing by me, Amber Way. The theme music, Forever Home, was written and produced by David Other. Find him at davidother.com or on Facebook. Also make sure to subscribe and rate and review hopefully with five stars. Troy has a Mark Twain quote on his blog, and I wanted to end with it here. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. Discover.